Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Liquid bleach, liquid bleach, Clorox makes clothes bright. But what about these cloudy wine glasses? Add glass cleaner to my cart. Adding Clorox disinfecting bleach to your cart. What? No, for glassware. Clorox can also make glassware sparkle, keep flowers fresh, and remove chocolate, wine, all your usual stains. Rude. Clean anything with the versatile Clorox disinfecting bleach. Discover more hacks at Clorox.com learn. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hey, y'all. This is Marcus King, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, Martin Popoff here, back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon. Um, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Lots and lots of uh, music podcasts available on Spotify, iTunes, Megaphone, Podbay, uh, 40 other f- uh, podcast platforms. All right, so this episode, uh, episode 57, we are going to call this Faith No More and Commercialism. I did not want on this podcast to ever do anything sort of normal where we go through a band's catalog um, and rating, uh, rating the catalog, rating the songs, uh, stuff like that. With one band, I thought, you know, every episode's got to have kind of a twist to it. So I, I really want you to look at this episode as not an episode on Faith No More, but an episode on the nature of commercialism in music, in hard rock. You know, we do mostly hard rock and heavy metal here. Faith No More, hard to, um, hard to sort of categorize this band. But, um, but yeah, this is going to uh, be a look at, um, you know, where they fit on the scale of commercialism. I'm actually going to rate the catalog uh, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10 in terms of how commercial each album is. I mean... 
On this show, we only have five songs, so we're going to skip. We're not going to play any music from two of the albums. Uh, that's going to be the first album and the, uh, what is it, one, two, three, four, fifth album, I guess. Um, uh, album of the Year. We're not going to be playing anything from Album of the Year or from uh, We Care A Lot, but every other album's going to be covered here with a song, but I'm going to talk about them all somewhat. Um, so, okay. Um so Faith No More and Commercialism, obviously the cool thing about this band was um, they didn't really seem to give a damn about being commercial. And that's kind of the interesting thing as we as we go through the catalog. They basically held their heads up high as a pretty creative band that was not concerned with what, with what was going on in the marketplace, what was going to happen to them in the marketplace, given uh, what kind of record they made at, at any given point in time. And uh, and that's why we love them. Mike Patton went off and did Mr. Bungle and Phantomas and, and all these other crazy projects. Um, and we know, you know, he's notoriously one of the coolest creative, uh, you know, anti-commercial guys that that you can imagine really um and the band themselves kind of fit into this as well but every record has kind of a different uh relationship to uh commercialism okay so let's just talk briefly a little bit about the 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 first record and we're not going to play anything off the first record um so the first record is called uh we care a lot one thing i kind of kind of wanted to mention and i i hoped i wouldn't forget about this is you talk about uh, a band with commercial album titles. Let's go through these album titles quickly. So, We Care A Lot. Great. I'd, I'd love to buy a record by a band that cares a lot. Very cool. Second album's called Introduce Yourself. Wow, that's great. This band is friendly. They want to introduce themselves to me. Very cool. Uh, and, you know, Chuck in the band, Chuck Mosley in the song we're going to play. Shortly, you know, he introduces the band and stuff. What could be better? Wow, friendly band. Um uh, the next album's called The Real Thing. Who doesn't want The Real Thing? Where do I sign? You know, I, I, you know credit card or cash? Uh, I, I'd, I'd like a little bit of The Real Thing. Thank you very much. Um, then they've got uh, King for a Day. Wow, what a cool concept. I would love to be King for a Day. That sounds like winning the lottery. Very cool. So every album cover is very commercial and very friendly. Um, although, yes, I left one out in there, and this is my point. They have one in there in between called Angel Dust. One of the most notorious, horrible, hard drugs of all time. So, and when we get to that one, we'll talk a little bit about that. But here they are making a very anti-commercial, violent, belligerent uh, album title. Uh, But as we go on, album of the year. Wow, isn't that cool? I'd love to own album of the year. This must be a good album. Album of the year. Um... You know, and then and then they end up with uh, Saul Invictus, which uh, which is not a very commercial title. It's uh, it's like you know foreign language kind of title, right? Um, so it doesn't it doesn't hit you between the eyes. But but yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that almost all their titles are very very commercial. But this band is not very very commercial. Okay, so yeah, just briefly on the first album, uh, I'm going to give the first album a commercialism rating of four. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, so here's a band coming into uh, the world. This is a post-punk world. They're from California. They're kind of doing their own twist on post-punk. Um, it's really geometric and rhythmic with a lot of bass. Um, just, just very kind of like hypnotic. And I, and I gotta tell you, um, oh, I'd love to do an episode where I, I gotta include this band at some point, but we had a band here in Canada out of Vancouver called Sons of Freedom. And, uh, they actually ended up on Slash the way, um, Faith No More did as well. But this band, they were 
unbelievably legendary and incredible. I saw them a whole bunch of times in my university years. Um, they would have, uh, they would wear these white splattered lab coats and their lighting show would be like a single swinging large light bulb above them. And their sound was so hypnotic and bass heavy. Imagine a super, super heavy U2 crossed with the Faith No More, um, but just these big crushing heavy riffs. Remember like U2 Bullet the bull, Blue Sky or something like that, right? But no, this, this band had this big stonking bass sound bass and drums everything was repetitive and then Jim I think his name was Jim yeah the singer just had this sort of laconic uh laid back almost like a Chuck Mosley style of of singing and the songs were just really super simple but they came over great live just like an ACDC song would right um but yeah interesting interesting band and uh, they came to mind uh when I thought about um this first album from Faith No More on Mortem Mortem what is it? Mortem. Um, 1985. Uh, uh, yeah, November 1985 on Mortem uh, called We Care A Lot. A little confusing because on their band's second album, Introduce Yourself, the big hit off of that was called We Care A Lot. So they, they redid re, uh, re, We Care A Lot there. Um, but yeah, so it reminds me a little bit of, of um, Sons of Freedom, but uh, but. The commercialism rating, no one knows what to do with a sound like this at that point. Um, so, you know, they're on a little label. It doesn't make many waves. I must confess, I was not cool enough uh, to get on with the band with the first album. I got on with the second album, the 1987 album. Um, okay, and with further ado, so what did I say? Yeah, commercialism rating, four. Um Without further ado, let's play a little bit of music. Uh, this is Introduce Yourself from Introduce Yourself, released April 23rd, 1987 on Slash, uh, Faith No More's second album. Take a listen. Right, so what a cool band. I mean, basically, uh, you know, grunge has not even really happened yet. Um, basically, we're in the middle of the hair metal uh, era. There's Jane's Addiction. There's there's some cool stuff coming out of Minneapolis with Husker Du, and and um, you know, we've got we've got Minutemen and Firehose. Um, uh, what was that? Yeah, Husker Du, Soul Asylum, Replacements, that sort of sound. Um, Meat Puppets out of Arizona, right? Um, so there's all this cool, weird, heavy stuff floating around in the ether and Faith No More comes with this very like I say geometric bass driven sound it's a little bit funky but really big heavy metal riffs out of Jim Martin right um you know the big frizzy hair and the pink glasses um and just a really neat hybrid of a sound. Now, commercialism and Faith No More. So, so this is what I love about this band. This is actually a very commercial album and why? Because it's fresh. It's charming. I mean, Chuck Mosley, the lyrics and his vocals are humorous. Um, it's the kind of, it's the kind of commercial that would tweak the antenna of an A&R person, right? Because this is, wow, what a cool, weird, 
interesting music. These these skate kids that don't seem to like go together doing this post-punk thing. It's heavy and it's, you know, by the way, it's heavier than a lot of hair metal bands. So everybody's starting to scratch their heads saying, wow, there's there's a way to be heavier than than hair metal. Hmm, I wonder what that is. Well, we we found out very, very quickly. It was it was Soundgarden and Nirvana and Alice in Chains and the Melvins, right? And Mudhoney. Um but this was a version of that. This was this was almost like pre-grunge grunge, which is essentially a form of post-punk. So punk was this heavy punk thing. Post-punk comes along in the UK and it's very um it's very reliant on on you know big naked open structures with a lot of you know stunned distorted uh, bass guitar in it a lot of things being carried by the bass so you hear a lot of that in uh, in faith no more and um and so they're creating a sound and it is commercial because it's exciting it's new we all loved it when it came out there was a lot of buzz about this band when they came out um so i'm going to give this a commercialism rating of six um it's weird you still don't know what to do with it but it's a much better version uh, a much better focused version of this vision that this band had on the we care a lot album moving into the introduce yourself album the album cover definitely not commercial at all and the we care a lot album definitely not commercial at all it looked almost like a like a synagogue thing didn't it uh, the the first album it was it was quite, quite odd and introduce yourself looks like a big pile of nothing it's like a big ugly splatter right with these with these yellow letters so in terms of the album cover not commercial at all um Okay, so let's move on to our uh, second track. Take a listen to this. This is Falling to Pieces from The Real Thing. All right, so the real thing happens uh, June 20th, 1989, slash, slash, reprise, right? So they're, so they're kind of on, on, the, on the hip little label, but they're now signed to a, a Warner sub imprint reprise, right? Um, but the big thing that happens with this album is that uh, Chuck Mosley is kicked out of the band and we've got uh, Mike Patton uh, in as the lead singer. I don't want to speak ill of Chuck. I don't know if he was, I can't remember now if he was kicked out of the band. I love the guy. I interviewed him before. I love what he did on, on, uh, on those first two albums. But anyways, so he's out of the band and Mike Patton comes in. Now, an interesting thing about this record is that Mike Patton comes in way at the end when all the music is done and recorded and and I guess most of the lyrics are done already. So he's just kind of parachuting in. But it's exciting. This guy comes in and he's got that real twang in his voice and he's bringing that rap uh, element to the band, although Chuck had that too. Um, but Mike uh, Mike is is bringing that in and there's, and there's this... Uh, it, it's essentially the invention of rap metal. Uh, this band, um, you know, went on, which went on to be new metal. Um, but you know, this, this is definitely, definitely a hybrid of rap and heavy metal. And the other cool thing about this record is that it's recorded so beautifully and big stadium rocking. All the guitars sound great. The vocals sound great. There's all these bright choruses and pre-choruses like you hear on Falling to Pieces. The other big song was Epic. Uh, the album cover again, not very commercial. Um, but uh, but no, there, there was a real excitement of him coming into 
of the band of this exciting band. It's a little bit of a corollary to uh, ACDC moving from Highway to Hell to Back in Black. You know, necessary vocalist change there because of the death of Bon Scott. But also, this really feels to me a lot like um, Bruce Dickinson coming into Iron Maiden. Bruce and Mike Patton remind me of the same kind of, you know, like, big personality, even a similar, sim- you know, a little bit similar voice, but kind of take over the band, a lot of personality on vocals and and on lyrics and just personality, period, front man. Um, but again, it's the same kind of thing. You've got this this other lead singer who is proving to be limited uh, a little bit in Paul Diano, and, you know, they're looking to make a change. Things aren't working. I, you know, probably at the same time, I would I would believe there's a there's a similarity between Chuck being a little off the rails and Paul Diano being a little off the rails. But you also have just like the ACDC situation, Faith No More and Iron Maiden are these buzz bands. There's an excitement about them. They're bubbling under. All the cool kids know about them. They may explode. They they may they may may move up and. Faith, and so Faith No More does a pretty uncommercial thing in bringing Mike Patton into the band because it's a big risky thing. Uh, but he's a pretty commercial sounding guy at this point, and he does a lot for the band's, um, you know, fortunes because this album goes on to uh, to platinum in the states. Um, uh, gold, platinum. I'm looking at the wiki here. I'm cheating a little here, but you know, BPI, silver. You know, British, um, Australia, platinum. But you know, platinum album in the states. That was so cool. And uh, and they actually uh, ended up on rolling on the cover of Rolling Stone, I believe. Um, but um, but so this was a big successful album. The commercialism rating again. You you gotta say purely because it is good, just like the previous album, it's commercial. So that's the best kind of commercial, isn't it, in rock and roll? We want we want things to be commercially successful simply because they're good and exciting and fresh. And the real thing album was totally all of that. It had it had thrash and the rap, it had the rhythmic stuff, everything was really interesting on it. It was like this new bubbly sound coming up. And on this record, it was recorded absolutely professionally. Um, So I'm going to give this one a commercialism rating of eight. I'll let you ponder that and we'll take a little break and be right back. All right, moving on here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, Faith No More and Commercialism, episode 57. Uh, now we discuss a, uh, a little something of theirs, uh, a record of theirs, a missive of theirs, a, uh, a nasty pipe bomb of theirs called Angel Dust. So essentially what happens with this band, um, I, I actually liken this a little bit to, um, okay, so, so first of all, obviously, you know, letting on what we're going to be talking about here, 
They make almost a commercial suicide thing. The commercialism of Faith No More goes way down with Angel Dust. Um, So what happens with this record is that uh, Mike Patton, for the first time, has a big influence. And he's a little bit of a a mental and psychic terrorist, right? Um, He he is starting to uh, uh, reveal these multiple personalities in his voice that's going to take really full flight across Mr. Bungle and certainly into Phantomas, where he uses voice as, as... like an extreme metal instrument. Um, But he's starting to be that Mike Patton on here. Um, You know, the album is called Angel Dust, as we said before, which is a violent, nasty thing to call a record. But... The album cover is even more unsettling because there's a swan on there and everything looks super, super classy. And then you turn it over and it's a bunch of, uh, you know, dead cow and uh, and chickens hanging in a in like a like a meat abattoir kind of thing, right? And then and then the song titles. So they're being they're being basically psychic terrorists. They're they're creating a rend in the psychic fabric of your expectations of what Faith No More are supposed to be. Now, I I find this uh, similar with uh, Nirvana, what happened to them after after, uh, Nevermind, right? So they kind of do the commercial suicide album a little bit. Um, I thought Masters of Reality did it a little bit after the uh, debut and they went to Sunrise on the Suffer Bus. That was a huge disappointment uh, to me. They get Ginger Baker in on drums, which is bizarre, but I don't like that record very much. Uh, A huge one to me was Ministry moving from Psalm 69 to Filth Pig. I could not believe how horrible and anti-commercial and cantankerous Filth Pig was. Alice in Chains kind of do the same thing between, you know, there's extenuating circumstances, but between Dirt and a record that is so confusing they can't even think of a title for it, so it's just called Alice in Chains, with that, you know, horrible, sad image of the three-legged dog on the cover beyond the behind the neon, you know, jewel case thing. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of this going on, a little bit of this um, grunge has happened, Grunge has been hyped. It's taken over. Uh, cynicism can even set in to a band who has pure creative purposes, and your minds just get blown. And Faith No More goes and blows their own minds and puts out this pretty uncommercial record in Angel Dust. And I remember uh, interviewing the guys. I can't remember which guy I was talking to. I've, I've interviewed Mike. I think I've interviewed everybody except Jim. And then the later guitarists I have not interviewed either. Um, yeah, I've interviewed Chuck as well. But um, one of the interesting things about this record is, um, you know, apparently, apparently, what were the numbers? They, uh, he, whoever it was uh, um, who I was talking to, I believe it might have been uh, Roddy. Um, who, who moved to France? I think it was Roddy. Anyways, basically, uh, the real thing sold, you know, a million uh, copies, or I, I think he said 2 million worldwide, uh, but only 500,000 in Europe. And I think he said something like fa- uh, Angel Dust, which is officially RIAA certified gold in uh, in America. So so they go from platinum down to gold with Angel Dust. And really, this thing only goes gold because of the hangover effect of the real thing. I mean, it is not, if this, if this was a record by a new band, it would not be going gold. Um, but basically, um, I think he told me that Europe really got Angel Dust, and it sold two million copies across all of the European territories. Whereas, uh, whereas, yeah, it's certified gold, which is for five hundred thousand in the states. So, um, so yeah. Um, what did we just play? Uh, we just played. Oh, yeah, we played Kindergarten. Did I mention it was Kindergarten? So, anyways, um, 
Yeah, so you know, this had a lot of uh, a lot of crazy, weird songs on it that were very unsettling. Caffeine, midlife crisis was kind of the big hit on it, but it was it was actually pretty pretty dark. Uh, RV was the one where he's mumbling around, you know, you know, thinking thinking, oh, let's uh, let's commit suicide. There's songs on here called Crack Hitler, Jizzlobber. Um, you know, Be Aggressive has those those eerie female vocals in it. Um, you know, very ironic sort of sounding. Everything's ruined. Um, so this was a very dark album and kind of a disappointment. I mean, I was disappointed with it. I do love real thing. I, and and introduce yourself the most, but I still quite liked it. Um, so yeah. So on a commercialism rating, we're going to give this one a five out of 10 on commercialism. Uh, okay. So, uh, moving on. So let's see. So we are, um, yeah, so I'm going to skip album of the year, which is after this one, but let's, uh, so let's play this first. Take a listen to this. This is Digging the Grave from King for a Day, uh, released March 28th, 1995. Uh, the first and the, and the only one with, uh, Trace Bruins on guitar. Take a listen. <laughs> So what I find interesting on the subject of commercialism with this one is I almost feel like the label reprise somebody said uh, maybe even maybe even uh, uh, oh I don't I don't know what Andy Wallace uh, would would have said on this on this effect but I mean Andy is very important to Faith No More of course uh, as well but one thing I find about this record was I thought they slightly reversed. They basically behaved themselves a little more than they did on Angel Dust. Um, I thought it was a very utilitarian, uh, good album, a little more conservative. Uh, the production was very conservative on it. Um, just a good mix of guitar, bass, and drums. The songs were a little more, um, a little more immediate. Um, and yeah, you you look later on on the album. Take this bottle, great mellow one, just a man, a great mellow one. Um, Star AD is that that kind of jazzy one, but it's a it's a great accomplished, you know, um, uh, ambitious production. Gentle art of making enemies. A get out is is a nice quick one, right? Um, but uh, yeah, dig in the grave, just kind of a straightforward, cool punk, rocky, chugging metal sort of tune. So um, I liked this album more than I liked um, Angel Dust, and I found it kind of interesting that uh, that it is a little more commercial um, than a- Angel Dust, and uh, there was just a lot more to like on it. Fourteen songs on it; it's a long album. Um, but yeah, really, really good sounding album, super high fidelity, 1995. So we're we're in the late stages of grunge, which is you know. And an ancillary or parallel thing going on north of where Faith No More is in Seattle. But, you know, you think of what Soundgarden is doing at the time. As I mentioned, Alice in Chains at the time is being very anti-commercial, but that's that's a whole drug problem. Um, so, yeah, I, I found it I, I found it kind of interesting. I, I, I might have I might have even looked down on the band just a shade um, for doing it. But I thought it was a little more of a conservative album than Angel Dust, but I was still happy uh, happy with it and played it a lot more. So I'm going to give this one a commercialism rating of 7 out of 10. All right. 
So moving on, um, yeah, I, I thought a funny thing in the middle was uh, was uh, remember uh, what year is this? Nineteen ninety three. Um, so I thought I found it funny that they went and made this uh, songs to make love to um, EP, right? And remember they covered Lionel Richie's Easy on here with with of course some sort of level of uh, you know irony that none of us uh, you know normals are uh, are deep enough to understand but essentially it became a little bit of a hit for them so talk about commercial i mean this is basically going straight between the eyes and saying you want commercial here's our straight played straight straight faced cover of Lionel Richie uh, easy so that that was pretty funny um so yeah so we're going to skip album of the year but but one of the things i found funny about album of the year is that on the commercialism level, they stepped back a bit again. I, I thought I thought album of the year um, sounds uh, in terms of complexion a lot like uh, King for a Day, but the songs are just a little murkier, a little darker, a little less hooky. Um, they're they're just not as easy to get into. I, I imagine. Um, is is the way I would put it. Let me just check something here. So so yeah. So basically. I, I remember playing this album and I played a lot. I find the production uh, very, um, very, uh, very conservative. There's nothing wrong with the production. And even kind of like the layouts and the arrangements of the songs are pretty conservative. So in that way, it sounds like King for a Day. But, you know, an A&R guy would probably take this album and say, you know what, I can't find any hits on here. I can't find any songs. There's no songs. Where are your songs? And that's, the, that's how I feel about this. So this one we're not going to play. I'm going to give it a commercialism rating of five out of uh, out of ten. All right. So our last one. Uh, so take a listen to this. Let's play. It. Let's play it first. This is our fifth and last selection here on History in Five Songs. This is Rise of the Fall from Sol Invictus, released May nineteenth, twenty fifteen. All right, so yeah, what a cool thing. Faith No More comes back, um, and they actually give us a whole new studio album. They write every song on it. It's the same lineup as Album of the Year. Um, so uh, I was I was totally more, more pumped for this album than any album by any band kind of reforming for a long, long time. And then I was kind of disappointed because... I found it not very commercial, and I like the commercial faith no more, right? Um, so, so this song is actually pretty cool and pretty commercial. Um, you know, as you can tell, they're doing a lot of things you love from Faith No More. I thought Matador was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, one thing I don't like about this record is Mike Patton seems to be really go way down in his register and not pushing a lot of air, and just and the persona he uses the most is that low mumbling uh, Mike Patton. I found that really kind of weird, but he does also give us probably more variety on this album, a la what he's sort of picked up from all those years of doing Mr. Bungle and Phantomas, uh, and he puts that into this. The thing I love about this record is that I want to like it more because it is so intellectual. It is 
there's a lot of weird musical arrangements and things going on on this record. Um, but they're weird, but they're sparse and they're low key. And again, they're not very hooky. But you listen to them and you marvel at the craft uh, that went into this album. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, only 10 songs on it, I believe, right? Um, so it's not it's not a very long album. That kind of ticked me off a little bit. Let me look at it here. Um, so yeah, um, I, I loved Sunny Side Up as well. I think that's probably the most commercial song uh, on the whole album. So... So there you go. I mean, um, and this is this is the second one for John Hudson in on guitar. But you know who the guitarist in the in the band is in Faith No More is actually kind of an inconsequential thing. It's not one of the big things that's important. Uh, you know, this is very much uh, a, a creative uh, you know Tetris between Roddy Bottom, Billy Gould, and Mike Patton, right? Um, Mike Borden, of course, is a very important drummer for this band. He obviously went on and did did big famous things. Um, but yeah, lot you know the band right from the beginning has had a lot of sort of tribal simple drum patterns um, or, or things that are tribal and even more complex but they're not very commercial when that happens right there's no groove there's no big beat so you're not headbanging to it is, is I guess what I'm saying so um, so there you go unfortunately I was a little disappointed with this record although I really kind of admire uh, what they did on it but uh, but you know I'm just a wimp for wanting to have a song stick to me with a bit of a hook, right? I, I, I want some ear candy. I want, well, ear candy is a different thing. There's a lot of ear candy on here, but there's not a lot of hooks on here. So, and, and I, this this might even be a darker album lyrically and intellectually and on the literary side than even Angel Dust. So take that for what it is. Um, so um, in terms of commercialism, again, you got to be really proud of the guys for not making a super commercial album and they didn't really previously. Uh, that's, that's for sure. I don't think album of the year is very commercial um so they're basically just going around going along and doing their thing and a lot and they have so many fans around the world that just love that they're this creative band that doesn't doesn't care about singles and selling lots and lots of records we're just going to do what we do because we're crazy 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 music snobs right um so that's the cool thing about Faith No More. Uh, so commercial rating on this one, I am going to give this a 5 out of 10. Um, crazy, um, but yes, not a very commercial album. There you go. So let's wrap up there. Um, thanks for joining me again on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. I always wonder, I hope a lot of people listen to these things, but obviously to listen to this one, you probably got to be a Faith No More fan to listen to this one, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I hope you all came along. Um, you know, the, the amount of people who have been listening, this show's been growing and growing like crazy. I love it. I love watching the, the numbers. I'm very guilty at checking on them every once in a while because I always want to see how these episodes do. Um, but yeah, I'm a little worried, like I say, um, when I do one on one band, I always wonder, hmm, how's, how's it going to do? Anyways, I guess we'll find out. Uh, so go to our Facebook. Um, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Um, right now, I'm waiting on a pallet of books that's going to have more of the, um, it's going to have, I'll, I'll have back in stock the Blue to Cult visual biography, Agents of Fortune. The other Blue to Cult book is in there. I ran out a few other things that are in there that people are waiting on orders. Thank you for being patient. Um, I'm actually getting more Where Eagles Dare, the first of the Iron Maiden trilogy so it'll be I'll, I'll have all three of those together for for the first time in a while which is kind of cool because uh, I did run out of that one um, that's it yeah martinpopoff.com paypal buttons there go to our go to our facebook page comment um, let's wrap it up there go play some faith no more find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com 
or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.